So good morning, good morning. As we begin this morning, I'm going to, uh, so you've heard the, the, the Christmas story. We'll get back to that in a moment. But this morning, I want to just play, let's just say this, I'll play a game that's called Guess What Happened on This Date uh, kind of game. Okay, so I want you, I'm going to throw out some dates to you. I'm going to throw out not only the dates, but the location. And when I do that, I want you to, to guess what happened on that date and guess uh, a little bit about what the significance is. I'll share that uh, after we check the date out. Okay, so first date. Are you ready? Are we ready? July 20th, 1969. By, that, by, by the way, I was three years old. Uh, somebody's got their hands raised. Now, you know, you just go ahead and say it. Say it out loud. Location. That gives it away. The moon. Neil Armstrong, right? Edwin Buzz Aldrin, the first human beings to ever step foot on the moon. What a significance. It was huge. I mean, science changed forever, didn't it? The world changed. I mean, you know the phrase, one small step for man, one giant leap for Mankind, July 20th. How about this date? November, November the 9th, 1989. Where? Berlin, Germany. Yeah, you jumped ahead of me. I said, where? Berlin, Germany. What, what happened, right? The Berlin Wall comes tumbling down. A pivotal event in history which marked the falling of the Iron Curtain, right? The USSR. It marked that communism would not continue, Right? The fall of communism in Eastern and in Central Europe. It, it altered history, didn't it? Next date, September 11th, 2001. Where? New York City, Arlington, Virginia, Shanksville, Pennsylvania. 19, Al-Qaeda terrorists, right? Take down the Twin Towers in New York, right? They tried to take down the Pentagon, although it crashed right, right out front of the Pentagon. And who knows where that fourth plane would have ended up if it weren't for the heroic actions of others, right? But it lands in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Maybe it goes to the White House. Maybe it goes to the Capitol. Who knows? The significance? I mean, air travel, as we know it, totally changed, right? National security, as we know it, changed significantly couple more dates sports related are you ready April 15th 1947 location Ebbets Field Brooklyn New York somebody heard I heard it over there yeah Jackie Robinson became, becomes the first black man to play in major league baseball he breaks the color barrier right changes the game forever Jackie Robinson Read a little bit more about it. You should uh, kind of do a quick Google search on the fun facts about Jackie Robinson and the things that he did. He's actually a vice president of a major company after playing baseball. It's very interesting that what I was reading about him. February 22nd, 1980. I was 13 at that time. I watched it live, Lake Placid, New York. Hint, do you believe in miracles? Yes. A bunch of college kids... Right, a bunch of college amateurs from the United States beats a four-time, get that, a four-time defending gold medalist champions, pro hockey basically, right, of the Soviet Union. Its significance, well, you watch that and you can tell by any underdog team, right, on any given day can beat a skilled team. You play as a team. 
All right, one last one, and really it's for any of the kids that are here this morning. If you're a kid, I want you to guess what happened about 2,000 years ago, 6 B.C. to 4 B.C. in Bethlehem, Israel. I'll give you a hint. It's right behind me. What happened? Jesus was what? Jesus was born. Why is that so important? Well, we're going to talk about that this morning. If you see this shot here, did you know, by the way, that Jesus was probably born not at Christmas time, which, by the way, it was my birthday yesterday, so I get to celebrate uh, along with Jesus, uh, that he was probably born in a cave. Because caves, and it probably in the springtime, not the wintertime, in a cave where the stable was, where they would put their sheep and, and their animals around the town of Bethlehem. Okay, all these events, right? All these events that I mentioned, you could call them game changers. Game changers. When I look up this word game changer, it's an event or a person that separates really what was or what to what is or what will be a game changer and I looked at the common usage of this it really came into usage in our in our kind of culture in the 1990s not just for sports but in business and just in general our life too an event or person that separates what was to what is and what can be think about it it would be something like electric cars right or flying cars I mean will there be someday in the future where we don't need gasoline think about it Think about it in sports. I think about this just because I'm a sports guy. Um, I think about Roger Federer, who changed the game forever, really. Anybody that come, came up playing tennis after Roger Federer, they had to have two things that they could do, right? They could, they could go, go from the baseline, right? And they could volley and serve, too. That's what he, he changed the game of tennis forever. I think of another guy, Wayne Gretzky. Right? Wayne Gretzky changed the game. They actually, I read about this, made an unofficial, an unofficial rule for a period of time in the NHL that when a man went down, right, for a penalty, that they had to play at even strength. They couldn't go 4v4 because I think, who did he play for for so long? New York Rangers, was it? Or Edmonton Oilers, right? They were so good with Marc Messier, whoever else. They, 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 they had to play at full strength. They called it the Gretzky rule. You can look it up. It's amazing how he changed the game. Think about what happens, too, when you're playing on a team and your best player, right? Your best player's down. They're either hurt or they're suspended or whatever. They're not playing in the game. And finally, they get to play in the game, Right? And they dramatically change the game. They score the goals. They defend whatever it is. They do it so well above and beyond so many, many people that it changes the game. Well, guess what? When Jesus was born, he changed the game of life forever. For me and for you. Jesus coming to earth. His birthday. It's the biggest game changer in history I mean, how can it not be? You go from B.C. to A.D., right? I mean, he's the guy that did that. From B.C., before Christ, to A.D. By the way, A.D. doesn't mean after death. It's a Latin phrase that means anno domini, which means in the year of our Lord. A.D. means in the year of our Lord. And despite what non-Christian secular people are trying to do, right, in our history books or whatever, to change the, the, the common era, CE, to BCE, the, the before the common era, it doesn't matter. Jesus' birth in history marked so much and changed so much in our culture, right? 
I mean, sure, at Christmas time where there's trees everywhere, there's lights everywhere, it's festive, there's Santa elves, there's Frosty, right? But in our culture, there's really not much of that. I mean, our culture tries so hard to get that nativity, to get that manger out of the picture and just do all the other things, right? But Jesus, his birth changed history. It was the pivot point, really, of history. I say it this way, Christmas divides what was from what is and what is to be. So the, really a thir- the theme of this message uh, this morning is Jesus, he is the biggest and the truest game changer ever. Born where? In? Where's he born? Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. And think about it this way. Think about the cities that won Super Bowls or Stanley Cups, right? Or Super Bowls, did I say that already? What, what's, what is the NBA trophy anyway? What's that called? I don't even know. Anyway, you get, you get my point. Think about when a city wins like all of it, the World Series title, whatever. It changes everything, doesn't it? To that city, the pride that's there, the investments, the tourism dollars, all of that. Think about what happened in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is like this unknown town, right? Nobody knows where Bethlehem is. I mean, I think in the Hebrew it means house of bread, Bethlehem. House, Beit is bread, uh, house, Beit. Chem is bread, house of bread. I mean, nobody knows that back then. But now, you ask anybody where Jesus was born, maybe they might say, yeah, I know that story. I hear about that. I know about that. Jesus changed the game of life, changed the game of Bethlehem. We read in our affirmation of faith from Micah 5.2. I'll review it for you. It's a prophecy of this prophet Micah. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Ephrathah is just that region, the name for the region around Bethlehem. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. When Jesus comes and he says, I am, right? I am the bread of life. I am living water. I am. I am is the name of God from Old, from ancient times, this prophecy 700 years before Jesus is born comes true. It's incredible. Between 6 B.C., we can do it between there and 4 B.C. We know that's the time of Jesus' birth. Think about that word game changer a little bit more, right? When someone does something incredible in sports, like the GOAT, the greatest of all time in football, Tom Brady. How many Super Bowl rings? Seven, maybe? Eight? This year? I don't know what's going to happen. But wow, it separates, doesn't it, the good from the great. The Berlin Wall coming down, that divide between East Germany and West Germany, right? Divides from communism to capitalism. Events like those, right, that we just talked about, they divide between what was and what is and what will be. I mean, think about it. If you're old enough, living through those experiences. I mean, it changes your perspective of history, doesn't it? Forever. It changes. It's a game changer. Same with Jesus. When he comes, in, when he comes to earth, right, in the flesh, the, the Bible that we have, it separates the Old Testament and the New Testament. When Jesus was living, all they had was the Old Testament, right? Now we have the New Testament, 
But here's the way, maybe you've heard it uh, said this way before, that the Old Testament, Jesus is concealed. But in the New Testament, Jesus is revealed. What does that mean? Think about it. The Old Testament, all its laws, all its worship, what you had to eat, what you had to wear, right? All the priestly things you had to do, the offerings that you had to do at the temple. All those things pointed to Jesus in some mysterious way. He's concealed in that, and, 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 and you have to figure out how does that, in, in our day, today, we have to figure out how does that point to Jesus. And then these New Testament believers who heard those scriptures that about the temple, about the sacrificial lamb, about the offerings, they're all fulfilled in Jesus. So many prophecies in detail point to when Jesus was to come. And then when he comes, people begin to recognize him. And some people, they don't. They choose to reject what they're hearing from the scriptures. And Jesus himself, as he's speaking to Jewish leaders who persecute him, in John chapter 5, verses 39 through 40, he says, you diligently study the scriptures. That's the Old Testament. You do that because you think that by them you can possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Wow. It's pretty clear, isn't it, that Jesus coming to earth changes everything. And the New Testament, St. Paul figures it out. And he writes to us to explain it a little more. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, he writes these words. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. He's talking about all the Old Testament stuff. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in who? In Christ, Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. And as he is born now, as he lives on this earth, as he takes our sins to the cross, as he rises again from the dead to give us a hope of a a future, right? He does all these things to fulfill what the prophets had said in the Old Testament. People that were believing in the promise that was to come in Messiah, they're saved. And the New Testament believers, that's us when we look back to that promise and we believe what happened that day. Right? Not just his birth, but we think about it when we gather in worship. We remind each other every time, right, about why his birth was so important, about why his death, his life, his resurrection, his ascension is coming again. I love that song that we sang. It just goes through the whole what was that last song that we sang? You know that. Say it again. King of Kings. That was, thank you, Matt. It was King of Kings. I love it. It's like it's saying the Apostles' Creed in a different way, right? That's what we believe. That's why we come together. The world, our culture, wants to drive that away. Wants to take Jesus out of the equation in this time of year. I'm glad you're here to worship, to be reminded why Jesus is such a game changer. Amen. I mean, it really, what, there's seven-something billion people in this world, right? Seven billion people. Think about that. When I I think about that, there are a lot of things that divide us. There could be a lot of things, and there are a lot of things, right, that either divide us or give us our identity as humans. But, But, I mean, think about what country you live in, right, what color skin you have, what language 
you have, what you eat, what you don't eat. I mean, there's a lot of things that identify and divide us, whether you're right, on the left, whatever it is. But I think the only thing that matters to God that divides humanity, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Do you believe in his son for eternal life or don't you? I mean, isn't that all that matters? It doesn't matter how long you're going to live, where you live, what you look like, what language you speak, how you live. It really doesn't matter. Nothing matters as much as trusting in Jesus as Savior. Statisticians tell us that one-third of the world's population is Christian. One-third. The real difference, though, of humanity, I think the only one that makes an eternal difference is whether you follow Jesus or you don't. It's the most significant division among humanity. Those that are going to heaven are those that are going to be going to a place that's separate from God, and that place is called hell. And the Bible says there's a physical chasm that divides people. John 3, 36, really hard words to take in. But, but I think even before I read this, I want you to think about this. In the prophecy of Isaiah 9 to 6, like, like Jesus is going to be called Wonderful Counselor, right? Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. And yet, when he comes to earth in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring division among families. Look it up after this. Like, yes, Jesus comes to earth to bring peace between us and God. That's why Jesus came. So when we have peace with God, it's because we trust in Jesus. But when we believe in Jesus, guess what that causes in this world? It causes division, doesn't it? And Jesus says this. Well, John writes these words. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. That's a hard truth to understand. It's a hard truth to take in, even as a preacher, right, to say that. Because maybe some of you aren't following Jesus right now. And I get it how that can be hard, but God in his word also says he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants all to come to the knowledge of the truth. He hasn't come back yet because he wants all of us to say, I need Jesus. I need a Savior because I'm a sinner. And I need him. And then Jesus, he, he goes on to explain really how he's going to divide. What's going to happen at the end of time? You know this very well. It's from Matthew chapter 25. If you have your Bibles with you, it'll be on the screen as well. Matthew 25, he says, uh, nothing's going to matter in the end except faith in him. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right, goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then in verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I love that verse 
Not because it sounds really bad, but Jesus says, it's prepared for the devil and his angels, not you. Right? Can you imagine in his eyes, cursed are those. He doesn't want that at all. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Those that believe in Jesus are baptized in his name are righteous, declared righteous before God, even when we don't act like it. Even when we don't think righteous thoughts or act righteous thoughts, God sees us as righteous, beloved by him. And he separates. That's what's going to happen at the end of time. And his birth, unfortunately, creates division. It creates peace with God, absolutely. But it's those who follow, those that don't. Between light and darkness, right? Between the devil and us. That conflict even comes at Christmas time, doesn't it? I mean, think about it. Maybe you've had celebrations with your family. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've, uh, with, with people that just don't believe, right? And maybe they're, they're, they're harsh towards you. How can you believe that fairy tale stuff, right? I love Pastor Joe in the new year is going to say to us, explain to us why this Bible you can believe. For three weeks, you're going you're to understand why we can say and trust that these words are true, true, true. And even though that division comes, right, as followers of Jesus, we're to do this from Romans chapter 12, 18. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And that's our job, right? To live at peace with everyone, not just other Christians, but those who don't follow Jesus either with an attitude of joy, not arguing, but displaying the peace of Jesus that it would rule in our hearts and that we can do that. All right, so a little quiz for those kids in the room, all right? If you're a big kid, you can also do this as well. I want to put up three, three sayings, and I want you to say which one, okay, the host, the Bible says when Jesus was born, these hosts, that means like an army of angels, says this, these things to the shepherd, right? Angel says to the shepherd, what, what does he say? Does he say, unto us a child is born? Does he say, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests? Does he say, glory in excelsis, glory in excelsis Deo? Which one? By clapping. You could even clap online. Okay? By clapping. I want to see which one is true. First of all, does the, do the angel say, unto us a child is born? Clap if you think that. Right? Do you think... Number two, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Do you think that? How about number three, glory in excelsis Deo. Think that. Well, you guys need to read Luke chapter 2 again. It was number two, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. That peace rests on you because of Jesus. But you can read that story again, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, that we get to display that peace in our lives this Christmas season, that we would pray for divine appointments, that those that don't know him can come and look at us, right, and say, hey, there's something different about you. Why is that? Why are you so full of joy when COVID abounds, right? Why are you so full of joy when we're just like fighting? Why is that? Because the peace of Christ rules in us. 
There was a great exchange that happened in Jesus' life because he changed everything for us. Think about this. A holy and perfect God does not reject us because we're sinners. We have peace with God because of what Jesus did, because he was born, because he lived a perfect life, because he died for our sins on the cross, and because he rose again from the dead. I always say it this way. You've heard me say this many times now. That God looks at each and every one of you and me cross-eyed. He looks at us cross-eyed. Not that our eyes are here, that his eyes are like that. No, through the eyes of the cross, God looks at you. And he says, Tony, because of the death of my, my son, his shed blood, you are made righteous. Even when you don't act like it, you're my child. You're loved. I've given you eternity. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's what his birth caused. A change in history, right? From B.C. to A.D., a change in the way we organize the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Faith in Jesus really is the only difference that matters in this world. Christmas is a game changer, wouldn't you agree? I mean, think about our culture, right? We exchange gifts And those that don't believe in Jesus, they still exchange gifts. But those that follow Jesus, we do it because we know we've received the greatest gift. Jesus. I mean, the lights that are around, right? They all point to Jesus, who's the light of the world. Even Santa Claus. It's a slurring of a name, right? From a bishop. I think a bishop in Turkey, right? Santa Claus is a slurring of St. Nicholas. Santaclus, you hear it? Santa Claus. Who believed in Jesus. I mean, people who really find it hard to say Merry Christmas, right? They just, they don't say that, they say what? Happy Holidays. And holiday is still a holy day. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, it doesn't matter. We live at peace with everyone. And we show them who Jesus is. I read this just a few days ago, uh, a week ago by now, uh, preparing for this message, Pew Research Center said these words in an article. Christians continue to make up a majority of the U.S. populace, but their share of the adult population is 12 points lower in 2021 than it was in 2011. The share of U.S. adults who say they pray on a daily basis has been trending downward, as has the share who say religion is very important in their lives. Currently... About 3 in 10 U.S. adults, 29% are religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S, nuns, meaning they describe themselves as atheists, agnostics, or nothing in particular when asked about their religious identity. Self-identified Christians of all varieties, Protestants, Catholics, Orthodox, they make up 63% of the adult population. And so Christians outnumber religious nuns by a ratio of a little more than two to one. What's happening? The nuns, right? Atheism, whatever is rising, Christianity, We can feel that, can't we? We can feel it just by looking around. We can feel it in the world, in our workplace, in our schools, everywhere. We feel that impact, don't we? People weak in faith, they're leaving, right? Leaving the church for whatever reason. 
Many are falling away, but hey, this is the thing. All is not lost. All is not lost because the gospel is growing in new harvest fields. It is. In Asia, in Africa, in South America, the gospel is growing. I mean, people all over the world are hearing about the love of Jesus. Those, those countries that were once were, right, where they surrendered their faith like Russia long ago, they're discovering their faith once again. And I love the promise of Scripture, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Those are Jesus' words. All is not lost. And guess what? The prophet Micah, in a different version of, of the scripture, says it this way. I think it's the ESV. And they will remain. They, meaning believers, will remain because at that time he will be great. Even when Jesus is born and even after he ascends into heaven, there will be a remnant of people who remain faithful to the ends of the earth. I pray that as you continue celebrating Christmas, maybe you're gathering this, this afternoon with friends and family and throughout the week, I pray that you would recognize in your life how Jesus is the biggest game changer ever. Amen? And when he returns again, think about this, when he comes again physically, he will truly be the King of kings and Lord of lords, whether you believe him or you don't. Let's sing.